Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to this wonderful place where I talk about the many different things that go on here in my stay at home dad life. I got things with my kids, things with my wife, how to be a better husband and a better father. I talk about men's mental and physical wellness. I also talk about parenting tips, life tips that I have, parenting struggles I have, a lot of things that I uh, come across in daily life and search out online and, and uh, experience through other people. And lastly, just random things that pop into my head and I I think about and it, it just makes me ponder different things. I come on here and I share with you. So I hope something in that mixed bag is entertaining, enlightening, uh, educational in some capacity. But anyways, thank you for tuning in with me today. Thank you for downloading the show. All right, so let's just get right into it. I have a story. It's going to be a lot of stories today, uh, some things that have just gone on and and uh, brought this whole topic to the tip of my tongue. So this taking action in the midst of uh, tense situations. I mean, we know by the title of this episode the whole fight or flight scenario or freeze. I think there's three of them, right? What do you do when shit gets out of control really quickly, right? Those types of things. What do you do in an emergency? Basic, let's dumb it down to that. That's what uh, I want to talk about. Maybe give some advice as well. Maybe have a few other things that we can uh, mentally run through and make sure that we're kind of just prepared for anything. That's that's what I'm going for. And a lot of times I think about my wife, my kids, my family when I talk about this stuff. And I would want to be able and ready to do anything for them, right? To freaking jump through fire for them. So that's kind of my angle here today. Anyways, story time. We were eating dinner the other night. We had uh, pasta, not that it's important, but we had some leftover breadsticks from a lunch meeting that my wife had. And uh, they were in one of those paper bags, and I guess the inside is lined with that foil, right? You may know what's about to happen here. I put them in the microwave, just like that. It was two breadsticks. They were wrapped up in the bag. I put them in the microwave, figured I'll just give them a quick flash for 20 seconds and warm them up, and uh, no big deal, right? I mean, I put a fork in the microwave the other day, by accident, and I started it, and nothing happened, so maybe that was in the back of my head. I don't know. So they're in there warming up. I started the microwave. They're doing their thing, and I'm turned around. My kids are still eating dinner. I'm doing some dishes, just trying to get ahead of the dinner mess, you know, and all that stuff, cleaning up a little bit. Well, the microwave beeps. It goes off. I didn't really think much of it. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it in a second. The microwave's off. So another, I don't know, 30 seconds go by. And then I start to smell something weird, something odd. Well, yeah, you know what happened. I open the microwave and there is a bag on fire in my microwave. It's, it's burning up right before my eyes. There's flames coming out of my microwave. They're just shooting out at me as soon as I open the door. My kids didn't even notice. They're over at the dinner table. They're 15, 10 feet away. They're just kind of doing their thing. But I am almost frozen in the moment like oh shit what do I do so I take a a beat or two there and then I turn around to get some water or get a wet washcloth or something to just throw over this burning bag in the microwave 
Of course I can't find something readily available. Or my brain didn't process, even though I had water there, I could have filled a cup of water up, or there was a, a, a thing of dishwater, you know, I mean, there were many avenues I could have taken this on, but apparently I didn't like any of those. Also, I didn't want to just grab the flaming bag and huck it in the trash and then have a trash fire. And it's just, that did go through my mind, and then I thought, oh gosh, if I throw this in there, it's going to smolder, then I'm going to have a bigger deal. And uh, this is going to get out of control. So finally, I had the idea. I grabbed a couple of paper towels. I got them wet in the sink. And then I just threw them over this burning bag to kind of smother the fire that way with a, with a wet paper towel, which worked. It was put them out. It was fine. The house now smells like a mix of smoked Olive Garden breadstick and uh, campfire. But uh, still, you know, the kids, they didn't notice. They didn't notice the smoke billowing out of the microwave. They didn't notice the smell. They were just uh, in their own world, I guess. So after this whole incident, so I, you know, wrapped them up, put the fire out, made sure it was out, and then I threw it in the trash. After this whole thing happened, I just reflected a little bit, and I thought about how I responded. And I thought, hey, man, you know, your reaction time to that fire wasn't stellar. You should have done better. That's what I kept saying to myself in my head. And yeah, I do think that I should have done better, even thinking about it now. I should have been more, I don't know, proactive or something. I could have grabbed the bag and thrown it in the sink full of water. You know, I mean, there were many things now that I think about it. It's almost like when you get into an argument with someone and then on the drive home, you find the perfect thing you should have said. And you almost want to call them up and like tell them, but it's, I mean, the moment's gone. It was almost like that. That's how I feel about this right now. And I mean, sure, what I did was good enough. It put it out. I didn't, uh, you know, cause my kids any harm. They didn't panic. I didn't ruin anything other than the breadsticks. I didn't catch the house on fire. I didn't freak out and overreact and do something drastic like getting a fire extinguisher and blasting it in the house, you know, and and ruining the oven or filling the house with all that extinguisher crap that comes out of those. So, you know, maybe I should give myself a little bit of credit because I think I handled it, I guess. But I do think I could have done better. But then I think of other times, other moments in my life in, uh, in stress situations, heightened sense type things that I have been pretty calm or decently calm. Another story for you. I was working nights one night driving a service truck out in Vegas, and we were going up Rainbow Boulevard, which if you don't live there, you don't know, but it's a big thoroughfare, three lanes wide, no, four lanes wide, nice wide road. We were driving, it was late, dark out, 10, 11 o'clock at night, light traffic, and we come across a pickup truck sitting in the middle of the road. So we slow down, and once we roll up to it, we realize what had happened. The truck had hit a pedestrian going 45, 50 miles an hour. It was a, I don't know, it was a interesting, I don't want to say scary, but it was, uh, it was tense. We were like, oh my gosh, there's a dude laying in the street right now and there's a smashed up truck, right? So we pull over, we get out, and even though it's this intense situation, there's a dude that's laying on the ground, I was pretty calm. There was no one that was really panicking and going ballistic. The guy on the ground got hit right out of his shoes. His shoes were flung off of his feet. 
That's how hard he was hit. And I'll just, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget seeing that. And he was alive too. He was alive. There was no blood. There was no gruesome anything going on. But he was busted up pretty good. He was heavy breathing. He wasn't moving. He was just laying there just just breathing kind of strange. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this isn't good. And the front of that Silverado was mangled. I mean, I've seen cars hit by deer, and that's, that's exactly what it looked like. The hood was all bent. The bumper, a steel bumper, was bent. You just never think a human body could do that much damage to a steel structure like that. It's just, it's just kind of wild. So anyways, we called EMS. We called 911. We waited until they showed up. We all kept talking to this guy, being like, hey, help's on the way. They're coming. Like, just hang on. Do your thing. Keep breathing. He wasn't really awake. Or if he was, I didn't uh, couldn't tell if his eyes were open. I don't, I don't recall. This was many years ago. But once EMS arrived, that was it. We, uh, we bounced out of there, and, and we uh, kept going about our evening. And I just still remember how oddly calm I was for a situation like that. It's just very strange. Now, another scenario, I kind of trying to, you know, paint a picture here of not so calm with my fire scenario and then kind of more calm with this serious situation. So here's another one. And this one was not me personally. This is something I recently happened across on social media with a, a reality star named Mike Sarantino. You probably know him as the situation. He's on Jersey Shore. He's a Jersey Shore guy. He posted this video from his security camera in his house where one of his kids during dinner time started choking on food. And you see the urgency. He kind of gets up and he runs over and he's trying to help his kid and he's doing the Heimlich. He's banging the kid on the back. And and I, this kid's probably four, three, four, somewhere in there. So he's patting him on the back and he's trying to dislodge this food. And and you could feel the the tense atmosphere that was going on. So while he's doing that, his wife calmly gets up. She walks over to the kitchen. She gets one of those de-choking devices, and then she uses it on the kid, and boom, immediately clears his airway. Everything's fine. I mean, it's probably less than 30 seconds, and she just stayed as calm as could be, and I thought that was pretty interesting that she was able to do that. Now, you read the comments on this post, and there's people all over the place complaining that she was too calm, that she didn't move fast enough, and yada, 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 but... I think she did great. I think she did exactly what she needed to do. She didn't lose it. She handled the situation. She went over, got the device, saved the kid, end of story, right? Now everyone's happy. Now, these scenarios aren't really drastically different, like I mentioned, from, you know, different uh, sides of the panic spectrum. But why, and more so how, can I, how can we respond a little bit better in these situations, better than freezing for an unknown amount of time and instead immediately taking action. So like me, instead of just uh, hanging out there for a 10 Mississippi trying to figure out, oh, what the hell do I do? Just immediately knowing like, boom, okay, this is what we got to do. Do this, do that, and handle it. Kind of how dude's wife did with the choking child and getting the the de-choker thing. It's just kind of interesting you know, I've been thinking about this, and it's just kind of interesting how we respond in different ways. We panic and lose it. 
we calmly handle the situation. Or other times we get what's called the bystander syndrome. I believe that's what it's called. And we just stand there doing nothing, assuming that somebody else is doing something that uh, needs to be done. And that actually happened to a buddy of mine quite a few years ago. He was driving home from work. I worked at night with him. And he was driving home and, and uh, came across this horrible car accident. He noticed this car that was on fire down in this ravine. And he gets up there and he pulls over. And there's people all watching from the road. And uh, he gets out and he runs down there and, and uh, there's a person in the car. And it's it's on fi- it's engulfed in flames. There's a he sees a person in the car and it's on fire. So he uh, climbs back out of this ravine and he kind of yells at these people that are just standing there, be like, "What did you guys do? Like you're doing nothing. There's somebody could have saved that person. You're doing nothing, you know." And they said, "Oh yeah, well we called the fire department. Like what else are we supposed to do?" Which I guess you know in some respects maybe if the car was already on fire, you're not going to risk your life. But, you know, I don't know. I'd like to believe that I would try to do something. But anyways, so he had words with these people and he's disgusted. They said they called the fire department. He heads home. So he gets not five minutes down the road where there's a fire station. Well, there's no activity at this fire station at all. There's nothing going on. So James, my buddy, he stops. He bangs on the door of the fire department and they open the door and they say, hey, what's going on? Nobody called them. Nobody called the fire department. Everyone said, oh, yeah, we called. So that guy thought that guy called. That guy thought that guy called and so on. When in reality, nobody nobody did anything. So it's just one of those things that uh, you assume that someone else is taking care of it and they assume you're taking care of it and then no one takes care of it. So yeah, so then he tells his fire department and they roused up and they go down there. And of course it's too late because James saw the guy in the car and it is, you know, what happens is what happened. So, and I know too that us guys, I'm not sure if women do this, but us guys do it a lot where we play scenarios out in our heads. Like, man, if someone broke into my house, this is what I would do, right? You've said that. I know you've said that. Oh man, if... If this guy does this, this is what I'm doing, right? Or if this happens, this is what I'm going to do. And we just kind of, I don't want to say fantasize, but we think about these things sometimes. You know, how how I would be here and I would do this. I would jump into action. I would save the day. This is what I would do. Yada, yada. Now, even though we say those things, how often would we be able to actually act in those situations? Would we be able to step up to the plate? And uh, calmly, rationally, with some sort of confidence, be able to do it and be able to be the hero, be the savior, help someone out in need, right? That's what I'm curious about. And I want to find ways to be able to act in these situations. Like how can we make sure or how can we practice to do that when it's, you know, really needed? Or at least be better at it. You know, I mean, I acted with my fire, but I would like to be better at it, right? How do we condition ourselves to jump into action, to do what needs to be done, to, like I said, to be that hero in the family? 
Kitchen fire, boom, do this, handled. Kid choking, bam, grab that, handled. You know what I mean? Just confidently, calmly, just do it. And I mean, I, I did to an extent, but I think I would, you know, in my head, I play these scenarios out, right? Oh yeah, this will be fine, I can handle this. But in the heat of the moment, would we be that calm, cool, collected version that we paint in our minds, right? So I know I've done a lot of storytelling so far today, so I don't know how far I'll get down this pathway of giving you tangible advice, but uh, I'm going to try. We'll see what happens here. So I just want to cover some basics on what we should already know or already have, which, yes, I don't even have some of this stuff, but I think um, me doing this episode and talking about it today will change my mind and prompt me to uh, be more prepared. So... All right, the first thing that I want to mention to be more prepared and ready for this situation stuff is uh, emergency supplies. I know, super basic, but get some, seriously. Had I owned one of those fire blankets that I see all over social media, you see people talking about these fire blankets, I would have known just to grab that, smother the fire, boom, done, right? Have a first aid kit. Get just basic things to handle first aid. Involve your kids. They would, uh, I know they would love to uh, put it together with you and uh, get a little box and buy the supplies or be able to uh, participate in assembling that or hell, just go buy a whole kit off of Amazon. You could do that as well. I've also seen ads for those de-choking devices that uh, Mike's wife used. Pretty cool little things. I think they're called the de-choker. Something that is... Uh, Honestly, it's priceless in my opinion. Hopefully you never really have to use it, but it would be nice knowing that you had it when your kid eats a grape or chokes on a hot dog or, you know, something to that effect. So supplying yourself with the things that you need to handle emergency situations, I think is key here. Also simple stuff like flashlights, batteries, even making a kit for your car, have some emergency food, maybe have a blanket have uh, that flashlight in your car too, especially if you're in cold climate. It's nice to have that stuff. Just some some simple things that we can keep on hand when the situation arises. What if the power goes out? What if you live someplace where you have an earthquake? What if, you know, there's a tornado? We have tornadoes here in Indiana. Uh, it scares the shit out of my kids. So, you know, just have something, some sort of a, a bag or a first aid kit or something that is just ready to go in case anything comes up. Now, along with all this stuff, what would come with a lot of stuff? Well, I would say education, right? Learn how to use it all. Pretty simple. Learn how to make a sling if someone breaks an arm. Learn how to cover a wound. Learn how to put out a fire. Learn CPR. Learn the Heimlich maneuver. Because the more we know and the more we're confident in, the calmer we're going to be when one of these emergency situations arises, okay? So along with all the gear would be education. Learn how to do it. Read a book. Do simple first aid, you know? Uh, I learned CPR when I was in high school. I was a lifeguard. I learned CPR. I learned basic first aid. Have I done CPR on anybody? No, I never have. I never want to, but I'd like to know that I can do it if I need to. So put that in your back pocket. Next, 
Another simple, simple thing, have an emergency plan. Develop this for certain scenarios. Involve your family, involve your kids. You can even make a sign and kind of hang it up somewhere so that your kids can see it regularly. Maybe put it in their bathroom or maybe put it in their bedroom or in their closet or something that just has a list of procedures to do things. What do you do when A, B, or C happens? And, uh, you know, practice that out. Have a plan. Where do you go in case something goes wrong? What do you do in case your room is filled with smoke when you wake up in the middle of the night? We've actually practiced that, how to get out of the house if the house is full of smoke. My daughter even actually taught me, she learned it in school, about touching the door. And if your door is hot, you don't go that way because that means there's fire there. So... Yeah, we've, we've done that. We've put a blindfold on them and uh, kind of make a game out of it. Be like, hey, can you sneak out of the house, like belly crawl out of the, your bedroom? Do you know the house well enough to be able to belly crawl out of your room and get down to the stairs and get outside if you need to? And I think that's just a, one piece of the puzzle on, on uh, having an action plan and having an a emergency plan on on when things go to shit. So it's uh, very helpful. So now I've talked about all this basic stuff, right? Pretty easy, basic knowledge. I mean, now we have the gear, we have some knowledge, we have a plan. Those are the easy parts, right? That's uh, simple stuff. Now, how do we react when shit really goes down? That, I think, is the harder part. We can talk the talk, but can we walk the walk? You know what I mean? So what do we do in that aspect? Well, first I would say, and it may be easier said than done, but that's stay calm and assess the situation. Like that's the first thing to do. Oh, I opened the microwave and I have a fire. Okay, stay calm, assess the situation. What do I do, right? I've heard this or read this somewhere and they say the first thing you should really do is just take a breath. Then ask yourself, okay, what's happening? And then kind of go from there. We have to stay calm because, you know, if we panic, it's just going to make the whole situation worse and it's going to cloud our judgment and then we're going to be running around panicking like, oh my God, the house, the fire, the kids, where where do I go? Oh my God, it's the dog. Uh, How do I put it out? Uh, A grease fire, don't put water in a grease, you know, and your mind is just going to go wild, right? So stay calm assess the situation. What's the level of danger here, right? What should my next step be? This will help you, like going through this will help you think much more clearly. Be methodical. Also, if there's other people there, we need to communicate as well. Communication is essential in an emergency, right? You're giving instruction, you're receiving instruction, maybe you're talking to 911, you may be trying to flag down a police officer or a bystander that's driving by for help. You may be trying to provide reassurance to your kids to tell them that everything's going to be okay. Talk to them so they don't take it to the next level. So maintaining some of that control in the situation is going to come down to communication. Words can kind of help bring down the fear and the anxiety, probably even within yourself as well. This is where we also focus on the goal and not get distracted by those other people or even your other emotions that may come up. I would say in the midst of an emergency situation, there isn't time 
to get emotional. There isn't time to cry and to panic and to freak out. You know, I mean, time is of the essence here. So I'm reading this article on readywise.com and I'll link it in the description. It talks about being prepared and what to do with being preparedness and they they actually sell products and other stuff and kind of interesting, but I found this uh, this one thing where they talk about uh, some of this stuff I'm talking about today and they also talk about being bold. Yes, they say now is the time to be that hero. Don't worry about breaking social rules or taking emergency measures that you typically wouldn't do. Being bold can manifest as decisive action in the face of an emergency. And that's what you want, right? You want to be able to make decisions and call the shots if you need to. It takes away that moment of doubt. You know what has to be done. You do it. No questioning yourself, okay? It also inspires confidence and those around you. But they say boldness also comes with risks. And honestly, even though it comes with risks, I am risking my life to save my family. When it comes down to that, I mean, I think risk assessment in my family kind of goes out the window. Like I'm doing everything I need to do to, uh, to make sure that they are safe, right? And I think everybody would. I think that's pretty common, but you never know. Especially if you've never been in a situation like that where you've had to make that choice with your family, you know, can you do it? It's kind of scary to think about. We all say yes, but you get into that moment and you could freeze and it's, it's uh, hard to uh, think about. Now, what about the mental side? This is kind of a, you know, probably a bigger deal because we're, you know, we want to talk about all the other stuff, but all the other stuff doesn't mean anything if we're mentally blocked and we can't get over that hurdle, right? This is the thing that is probably one of the most important things. You know, we can prepare, we can buy supplies, we can educate ourselves, but if we freeze up, if we break down, then then what's it all for, you know? So number one, like I said earlier, education is key. Take a CPR course, take a course in emergency preparedness, even take something online where you're answering questions and doing stuff like that learn practical skills that will help you in various emergencies because the more you know the better you're going to feel about doing what needs to be done so when that emergency comes up that you've kind of read about or you've taken a course on you're going to be more often than not ready to handle it in a much more confident way Two, simulate drills and scenarios Like I mentioned what I do with my kids, play out some emergencies in your home. What do you do if something heavy fell on someone and they're trapped? Run through what you would do. If the house is full of smoke, run through what you would do. Familiarize yourself with those necessary actions that you're going to have to take and maybe tools that you're going to have to go get. That will help you when that time comes, hopefully it never comes, that you have to, for real, jump into that situation, you'll know exactly what to do. And like I also mentioned earlier, guys like to play these scenarios out in their heads. And I think that's actually kind of beneficial. Now, instead of imagining what you would do if a Bengal tiger was loose in your neighborhood, maybe you should uh, adjust your scenario and imagine what you would do if your child fell and broke their arm, or if they stopped breathing, or 
Maybe if you smelled gas in your home or, you know, pick one and uh, play that scenario out. Like, oh, what would I do if I walked in my house and I smelled natural gas? Like, oh man, what would I do? Yeah, well, hey, I would make sure my kids are outside, that they were not in the house. Maybe I'd call the gas company. Maybe I'd go in and, and uh, try to shut the whatever was leaking gas off. Maybe I'd go open windows to air the house out. You know what I mean? Run through kind of what you would do in that scenario. I think that would be a, a good idea. Us guys are good at that stuff. You know, the more we think about them and, and run through them, uh, the more mentally prepared we will be to handle them. All right, number three, this is kind of an interesting one that I had come across, and it's called stress inoculation. Gradually expose yourself to increasing levels of stress to build resilience over time. Sounds interesting, right? They say that this will help you get used to thinking clearly in stressful situations. And over time, it'll help desensitize your body and your mind to that stress. So it'll make you better able to cope with that emergency situation when that arises. So they say start with minor things and gradually work your way up to more challenging scenarios. This has been primarily used in therapy for PTSD, and also they use it to train military personnel to react appropriately in stressful situations, so it's kind of interesting. It's, uh, I mean, I'm assuming if they use it in those situations that uh, they must have had pretty good luck with it. So take a conference call at a kid's birthday party. That sounds pretty stressful, right? Then maybe uh, cook dinner at the same time that your kids are doing homework while they're asking you 100 questions with the TV on and maybe the dog's barking. That sounds like a, a next level stress, right? And then uh, take a road trip in the same situation. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But uh, you see what I mean. Like gradually get uh, into more situations and calm your mind when you're in those stressful scenarios. But if you actually want to read more on what this is really about, I'll link another article that talks about using stress inoculation in the medical field. And it's actually pretty interesting. So I'll link that in the description so you can check it out as well. All right, the last point that I'm going to mention today is self-reflection and evaluation. Think about past experiences and think about how you responded to those past experiences. See if you can identify anything that prompted that fight, flight, or freeze response and develop some strategies to minimize those reactions. Being self-aware is a big part in mastering our emotional response in tense moments, right? I still know that I would do anything in my power to protect my kids and my wife in an emergency, that I would put myself in harm's way. And I know I can just say that, but I would do it. I would 100% do it. And it's scary to think about, but it's also very important to uh, understand. And I hope we all have what it takes to take action when need arises. I really do. We've all seen the clips of uh, the awesome dad saves online, you know, the catches and kids coming down the hill on the sled straight to the tree and the dad goes out there and snags the kid and saves the day and and that's pretty awesome. And then there's also the people standing on the roadside watching the car burn in the ravine. And I just want to make sure that we're the former of those two examples. And you know, I, I, I think about it a lot 
not a lot, but I, it, it comes into my mind and it scares me to think of all the violence and all the crazy shit that goes on lately with shootings and, and uh, school violence and everything else. And you always kind of wonder how safe your kids are when they're not in your care. And it's just kind of frightening because we want to do everything in our power to, you know, keep them safe. I want them to live their lives and I want them to take risks, but I don't want them to worry about violence in their school, you know? I mean, that's just, it's just ridiculous. So that's another tangent I'll get on at a different point. But anyways, that's all I have for this episode of Stay Home Dads podcast. Some good info here, at least I think. So I hope you think as well. Maybe some things, a few different things that we can implement within our own family. Kind of make a routine of it, make an action plan, get some supplies, you know, just uh, be a little more prepared and a little more aware for when the breadsticks catch on fire in the microwave. So that's, uh, that's a bonus, right? Anyways, everything I talked about, I'll link in the description. Also, I might put some links. I have some Amazon links, some affiliate links because I get paid couple of shekels when I use them. I'll put some of those in the description as well. I'll find that D choker. I'll find a nice first aid kit, maybe some other things we can uh, look at purchasing for the home, right? So check those out as well. I appreciate it if you did. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments for me, please shoot me a message on podbean.com or on my Instagram at stayhomedads underscore podcast and uh, let me know what's on your mind. I love hearing from you. Alrighty, well, until next time, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.